Welcome to this episode of IG Talk with Robert Smallwood, where we feature interviews with information governance leaders around the world, as well as discussions of IG news, events, and best practices. Today in our IG Leadership Series, we're talking with Dr. Prashanth Seltka, who is the Managing Principal of DBT Institute, a data analytics consulting and education company. He brings over 20 years of information management experience from over 50 small, medium, and large companies such as SAP, AG, Shell, Apple, P&G, SAS, and General Electric. He sits on the advisory board of SAS Western Canada and Gri Ashoft, India. He's the author of the book Data for Business Performance, is an adjunct faculty member of uh, data analytics at the University of Calgary in Canada and IE Business School in Spain. He is currently working, uh, well, his new book is, is going to come out shortly called Analytics Best Practices. Um, he holds, holds a PhD as well as an MBA from Kellogg School of Management. Uh, welcome to the program, Professor. Uh, thank you, Robert. Yeah, it's not a professor as such, but it's okay if you call me professor. <laughs> I'm, okay, I'm let, 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 let me do that again then. Welcome to the program, doctor. My pleasure. My pleasure, Robert. Okay, well, let's talk about analytics today. And um, there's, uh, we've talked on, on this program about infonomics and uh, data monetization. And every organization today is talking about data as a business asset. What are the necessary conditions needed to transform data into a business asset? Okay, that's a, that's an interesting question. You know, most organizations spend a lot of time in capturing, storing, and processing data. But, you know, just capturing, storing, and processing data will not offer any business a sustainable competitive advantage and transform the data into a real business asset. So you need appropriate strategies to position the data as, as well. So what does that mean? What are those strategies? So I call it as three main elements in positioning data to become a strategic asset for the company. The first thing is the data should be treated as a valuable asset. So what does that mean? That means the data is highly used in business operations, data compliance, and in analytics for decision making, which I call it as the three main objectives of data. The second thing is uh, the data should not be easily available for others. It should not be easily, it should be a little bit of a rare commodity in your company. So how do you make the data rare? So one strategy is to convert the data from a raw format or an unstructured format into a processed or a structured format because the, uh, the data, when it is captured in the initial phase, is basically in the native state. It's unprocessed, it's unstructured. So you need to convert it from an unstructured format to a structured format. Thirdly, data should not be substitutable by any other type of resources. Like that means the data should not, should be non-substitutable. For example, what's a, uh, when it comes to analytics, intuition is a substitute for data when it comes to uh, analytics and decision making. So if the data literacy is poor in the company, that means intuition will prevail over data in decision making. So overall, if you had to transform data into a business asset, of course, you need to capture, store, and process. But at the same time, you need to trade, treat our data as a valuable asset, make it rare, and make it non-substitutable. Well, are there, uh, we're talking about data as an asset, but are there situations where data can become a liability for the business? And, and if so, what are those scenarios? Oh, that's a, that's a fantastic uh, question. Yeah, definitely, we have heard a lot about uh, data being a business asset. There's a lot of articles where people talk about and reports where people talk about data as a business asset. But at the same time, data has limitations. We all know that. 
And lastly, very few people talk about data as a liability as well. And your question is great, where do you, where do you ask whether data can become a liability? I see three scenarios where data can become a liability to the business. First thing is data collected without a defined purpose will result in extensive data management complexity, increased cost, and missed business opportunity. So according to Forrester, 73% of the data in a company is never used strategically. While the time and effort required to acquire, secure, and store data is very significant, the opportunity cost of not utilizing the data in today's uh, data-centric world is also huge. It's massive. The second thing is, uh, second situation where data can become a liability is when data, you just store lots and lots of data. So what happens here is data takes a vast amount of energy to store, secure, and process. While this costs a lot of money to the business, it also increases the carbon footprint of the company and uh, because the data centers are consuming a lot of energy. So this is another case where data can become a liability where you are storing lots and lots of data and the cost increases because of the data management. And thirdly, you know, the, the these days we have a lot of issues on cybercrime and data breaches uh, these days and companies are faced with the, with the enormous task of securing the data, um, securing the data they have. Apart from uh, major data breaches, collecting and using uh, data is also a potential uh, privacy liability for uh, many companies. So we all know about the Facebook Cambridge Analytica data scandal, which has resulted in uh, Facebook uh, losing over 35 billion in uh, market share. And, uh, and ultimately, Cambridge Analytica had to close down because it had, uh, it has, it had unauthorized access to over 50 million Facebook accounts. So overall, uh, you know, data can also be a liability if it is not uh, managed well. So it's, it's basically a fundamental principle of uh, life. You know, too much of good thing, whether in life or in, uh, data, uh, or in data, can sometimes be even bad. <laughs> yeah, that's true in data and in life. Hey, your first book was uh, a, a Data for Business Performance, the goal question matrix model to transform business data into an enterprise asset. How does the goal question metric model enable data for business performance? Okay. So, you know, um, basically what I say is deriving value out of data is contextual. It's uh, purpose-driven and it should be based on the company's culture. To address these objectives, we need to define solid goals to state the purpose. We need to ask very good questions to get the context and the depth. And we need to have realistic KPIs so that the business objectives align to the working culture of the company. So this is where GQM comes into the picture. And my book, Data for Business Performance, is based on the GQM framework to leverage data for very good business results. So other thing is many people think, uh, are not very familiar are not very familiar with uh, GQM, but at the same time, it is it is a framework which has been there for a very long time. It was developed uh, in the early 1990s, and it's been used extensively in the industry. Like in 2015, I did a survey and asked people if they would pick uh, GQM and its competing framework, which is the most popular one many people would be knowing, which is a balanced scorecard. About 140 people participated in my survey from uh, 32 different countries. And approximately 50 to 55%, I believe, picked a GQM when it comes to data analytics. So, uh, so even, uh, for, and the reason I wrote this book is because even today, the data is seen as an IT domain and very few organizations are moving away from thinking 
and bringing data under the CDO office. I personally think the data uh, the data should be under the CDO office. So I wrote this uh, book to bring the to reduce the communication gap between the data consumers that is a business and the data custodians who is uh, IT because that was a main challenge where I faced in almost every project I went. It was a communication challenge. So to improve the communication between business and IT, I wrote this book. Okay. And when companies are embarking on data analytics programs, what's the most common mistakes they make and what should they do to get on track? Yeah. So, you know, I have worked for almost like 50 different companies, small, medium, large, including the Shells and the Procter & Gamble's and and the Suncor Energies of the world. So I see three common mistakes or challenges every company is confronted with when it comes to analytics. The first one, the biggest one is on communication, which in other words, is also known as data literacy these days. So why why do we have this problem of poor data literacy in the company? There are many reasons for it. But again, the most common thing which I see in these companies is uh, they don't see data as a growth asset. Uh, And in many companies, the data or the analytics team is still under the CFO domain. This, so what's wrong with the, the data and the IT team reporting to the CFO? So it basically means it, the, the IT team is, or the analytics team is more of a compliance reporting team. In some companies, I have even seen the analytics team reporting to the CIO and the CIO in turn is reporting to the head of legal or HR, which is also, which is, which is even worse than reporting to the CFO. I personally think that they are, the analytics uh, team should be managed by the CMO or the COO or even better, the CDO. CDO, I believe, is the best place to manage data in uh, in in today's uh, context, and it will position the data as a strategic asset and potentially improve the data literacy in the company. So I think uh, if you had to... And, and I'm wondering, who do you believe it's best for the CDO to report to? Oh, the, you know, if given an option, I would prefer the CDO to be reporting to the CEO. If not to the CEO, at least to the CMO or to the COO. The best is CEO, if not CMO or, uh, or Chief Operating Officer. Okay. Yeah, uh, if they're reporting to the CEO or at least the COO, they would be at a true C-level, as a true C-level executive and have a lot more authority and power to, Absolutely. I think, investigate in- innovative uses of, of data in the, yeah. in the okay. enterprise. Yeah. And at the same time, um, um, Robert, let me hear the other two points, and then we can revisit your uh, your question on uh, on uh, the uh, on the position of the CDO in the org structure. And the second reason why I find uh, the challenges in analytics uh, programs is too much focus on data science and less on data integration. You know, if you look at the whole uh, analytics uh, lifecycle, right from data capture to data integration, data science, and uh, data visualization. Data science is, is almost like 5 to 10% of the total activity in the whole analytics lifecycle. Almost like majority of the time, 60 to 70% of the effort goes in data integration, the ETI, the in, uh, enterprise asset integration, data virtualization, RPA, all those kind of stuff, which is making, which is bringing data from diverse sources into one canonical source, which could be the data warehouse. So people spend, uh, people think that uh, analytics is data science. Yes, it is. But at the same time, there's a lot of effort spent on data integration. People underestimate that kind of effort which goes under data integration. And that results in a lot of uh, pain and grief and everything. And the third thing which I find is uh, most of the uh, analytics project emphasize too much on technology tools and even the buzzwords. And this takes away the focus of the business problem you are trying to do, trying to solve. And instead, uh, you discuss more about uh, the vendor's latest uh, roadmap, the latest version of the conference 
latest version of the software, which vendor conference to attack, uh, uh, attend and all those things and the upgrade challenges in all this software. So our priority goes away from solving the business problem to the and addressing the te technical landscape and the technological complexity. Uh, where to store the data? Should I, should I host it in Azure or should I host it in Amazon? All those things from the business perspective, it doesn't ma matter. What matters is the solving the business problem for business results. And if you focus too much on technology and less on the business problem, you don't get uh, results out of analytics. So this is the third <laughs> common problem which I see while working on uh, some of the analytics projects. Yes, and I completely agree with you. And that's one of the principles I like to uh, promote is uh, let's start with business objectives first and try to solve them. And then whatever technology tools are there, you know, we can use those, but not focus on the technology first. Hey, um, can you tell us about your new book that's coming out, the Analytics Best Practices book? Yeah, sure. Uh, but you know, like uh, today, uh, organizations world over, whether it's uh, whether it's the tech companies or the non-tech companies, are looking at ways to derive insight from uh, analytics so that they can make good business good business decisions and ultimately derive uh, good business results. But uh, not many companies are very successful in transforming their um, data into uh, into insights. Like in 2019, research advisory firm Gartner reported that 80% of the analytics initiatives are not delivering business um, business outcomes. So this is what I have seen in many of my analytics projects as well. The business results were missing. There's a lot of projects where I worked that the companies didn't get a good results out of the analytics program. But at the same time, a few companies where I worked, the analytics programs were highly successful as well. So I asked my, myself, uh, you know, how can a business enterprise avoid this analytics failure and deliver good results? And uh, since I have worked with some projects which were highly successful and some projects which were challenging, so I, I, I thought of writing a book based on my consulting experience. I interviewed and discussed quite a lot of analytics uh, experts. I started reading a lot of articles on this. I started writing some posts on articles for validating my hypothesis and ideas in Data Science Central, in uh, LinkedIn, and all those places. And of course, well, I have been teaching analytics at University of Calgary at IE Business School in uh, Madrid and in SPJ in uh, India. And I validated my thoughts, my ideas uh, in, in these places as well. So it took almost like uh, two years for me to um, to write this book. And I, and I believe that this book will uh, improve the odds of delivering uh, enterprise analytics solutions successfully. So, you know, from the re reader's perspective, so what does this book have? It, uh, it basically has three differentiating aspects. The first thing is it is very practical. I'm talking about the 10 key best practices on what, uh, a, whether a team or an, or an organization or an individual within an analytics team can do for successfully delivering analytics initiative. There's a lot of articles going on on what Amazon did, what Facebook did. Now, what is it you can do in your company to deliver analytics initiative successfully is what this book is all about. It offers a prescriptive, superior, and practical guidance uh, to the to the user. The second thing is this book is, uh, I believe, is complete. Most of the data analytics books assume that analytics is data science or statistics, uh, but I believe it is it is four major components within the analytics uh, world. That is data management, data engineering, data science, of course, and data visualization. So my definition of analytics in this book is looking at data analytics holistically by looking at these four domains, which is data management, data engineering, data science, and data visualization. And the third thing is this book is not about R or Python or SAS or SPSS or, uh, or Azure or, uh, or uh, Amazon's product. This book is technology agnostic, and it will look at analytics concepts 
without any reference to the vendor products and uh, and uh, technology so um, you know um, the book is almost in the final stages so in another a couple of weeks it should be out in the market but i have received a uh, great endorsement and feedback uh, from some of the some of the leaders in this uh, field upen uh, varnasi the ceo of rivas and uh, has spoken some great things about the book uh, dugleney the infonomics uh, and the big data legend <laughs> the as that great things about the book professor michael wade who has written this book called uh, digital vertex and who is a professor at imb school of business in switzerland has given a great review as well and uh, randy bean uh, who is uh, who is one of the thought leaders in this field says as such some positive things and of course there are some senior leaders from walmart saas and many more companies have uh, said some positive things so it's all in the endorsement of the book overall i am very excited about this book i am um, i believe this book will solve some of the some of the gaps we have in this analytics field and uh, this is my contribution to the analytics community well great we'll have to uh, feature it on our website and um we we have actually held some summit events on infonomics and data monetization with Doug Laney um who was at Gartner and now is at uh, Caserta and uh So to get some praise from him is uh you should be very proud of that. And just finishing the book, that's a, a big accomplishment. Congratulations. Yeah. Now most analytics initiatives fail, and you talk about the 10 best practices for successful analytics. What are the top 3 practices companies need to do to have a successful analytics program or initiative? Hmm. Okay, uh, the the first thing is uh, many people define analytics in different ways. But I define analytics as using data to answer your business questions that's what the whole analytics is all about in my view so and again in the process you get uh, you get uh, insight from your uh, data but in most companies the data quality is poor so when you say analytics is using data to get insights when the data quality itself is poor that means the insight the quality of insights is uh, is also poor so most of the places where i go where the data quality is poor and the analytics projects are either constrained with no data at all or poor quality of uh, of data so how do you how do you manage this situation how do you go forward uh, under this uh, situation when when one of the fundamental building blocks of analytics that is data itself is of very poor quality you know i personally believe that data quality will stay poor under the current business paradigm we have today as the business itself is constantly evolving so we have a moving target all the time so we are always doing a catch up when it comes to data quality so the data quality per se is going to be of very poor quality for doing analytics now the challenge is do we wait for this for the challenge for the analytics projects is do we wait for this perfect state of data to to come and keep complaining about the poor data quality so in this way in this project in this book what i have written is i've talked about three strategies on getting quality data when you really don't have quality data so that's my first best practice when you don't have good quality data in your company how can you still work on getting it so that's one of the best practice which i talk and i i talk about three strategies the second thing which i which i talk about a best practice is building the data literacy so how do you build data literacy of course you can have the cdo and everything but at the same time one is strategy next one is tactics you need some tools at the tactical levels as well and one of the tools i have at the tactical level is leveraging your descriptive analytics which is basically reports and dashboards so people talk a lot about uh, advanced uh, analytics like the predictive prescriptive and machine learning and all those things. but descriptive analytics is also very important 
it is it is like you try to walk first before you run run so before you start doing advanced analytics make sure that you are successful in descriptive analytics because this improves the data literacy and the com and the communication within your company and at the same time almost like 80 to 85% of analytics anyhow in any company is all about descriptive uh, analytics so the second best practice i uh, i suggest is build data literacy and to build data literacy use descriptive analytics which is reports and dashboards and then uh, you know the third thing which i talked about is what you mentioned the dugline is famous uh, uh, area which is uh, data monetization so many people when i talk about data monetization they they think that data monetization is uh, making real hard cash in the company true if you can do it it's great <laughs> of course you are there to make a profit in the company but it but data monetization is also about creating new revenue stream it's about you reducing your expenses it's mitigating risk and all those things it's all about the indirect activities which you are doing to make your to improve the performance of your uh, if you are of your company so now the question is how do you monetize your data so in this book i talk about data monetization as one of the best practices and uh, i i come up with some strategies on uh, how to monetize your data the first thing is treat your business as a network of customers employees vendors dealers partners and so on it's not like a line of business it's not like a, your business is not a siloed entity you are always working as a network of all these parties together to to deliver products or services to to the end consumer so treat your uh, business as a network look at the entire value chain and how your products or services reach the end consumers and identify the value leakages in the whole value chain then another best practice which i talk within this uh, area of data monetization is building data products and run projects uh, and not run analytics projects run like uh, develop analytics products and uh, where you will be focusing more on scale and the reusability of the data so these are the three, top 3 or three favorite uh, best practices which i can pick for you uh, robert which is uh, which is working on uh, some kind of strategies to uh, to ensure that you have good quality data number 2 is focus on descriptive analytics for uh, data literacy and uh, third one is uh, leverage analytics for uh, data monetization mhm mm that's good advice hey uh, let's pivot and talk about a, a current event best practices um how can i'm sorry and and my book has seven more best practices as well okay very good um let's pivot and talk about how data analytics might help in the current covid and post covid crisis um um you know could they could they have done a better job in in planning and suppressing this uh epidemic or pandemic if analytics would have been better used mm. yeah well, we you know a great question so we can all always talk about uh, being retrospective and talk about it but i always uh, see how uh, data analytics will help companies in this covid times i have been asking this question myself and uh, you know to for this question i split this your question into two main parts you know the first is the business impact of covid and the business impact and the and impact of covid on data analytics so i'll answer the first part the business impact of covid so you i look at the business impact on covid as primarily impacting the cash flow of the business today businesses need cash to pay their expenses pay loans pay taxes uh, uh, maintain assets reliably pay the employee salaries pay the payables from the vendors and and many more basically cash flow is important because it keeps the business running and businesses are today are looking at optimizing cash flow in the covid uh, scenario 
basically getting receivables faster, identify the cash which is locked uh, in other uh, areas, cut, uh, delay or stagger uh, their payments to employ or uh, vendors basically and all doing this without affecting the business. The bottom line is the business impact of COVID is primarily on the cash flow. So companies today are looking at survival. They are not uh, primarily focusing on growth as such. So it's survival that is uh, that is in question today. Now the second part of the question now, how are the impact of uh, COVID on data analytics? So I would link it to the business impact, which is the cash flow. So when the companies are looking at optimizing their cash flow, they need suitable data analytics tools to uh, to identify the cash flow and maximize this kind of uh, a loss which is happening because of poor cash flow situation. This, I believe, will have renewed interest in one of the three types of analytics people generally talk about. People talk about descriptive, predictive, and prescriptive analytics as the three main types of analytics, and I mentioned this in my upcoming book as well. But in my view, the, the area of analytics which is talked the least, or which is discussed the least, or which is implemented the least these days is prescriptive analytics, which I call it as optimization. So in the pre-COVID era, many companies focused on compliance, operations, and growth aspects in the business with dashboards, BI reports, and predictive analytics. I believe in the post-COVID scenario, post-COVID era, prescriptive analytics or optimization technique will come out of the research domain into the business world. So it's been uh, the prescriptive analytics optimization is very strong in the in the operations research world, in the operations management world, and it has been very strong in the in the in the research area. So I think it will come out of the research area and become more consumable for the for the business. So uh, this is what I see for your question. One thing is the business impact of COVID will be on the cash flow, and uh, the impact of uh, cash flow on the business will enable companies to look at uh, optimization or prescriptive analysis. Mm -hmm. Yeah, their companies are going to have to make a lot of changes and certainly they're going to have to move to a digital first strategy in a lot of areas that they're not really comfortable with doing uh, things like events and so forth. They're going to have to uh, yeah. be much more uh, online and, and digital. And there, there are some new innovations going on there. So that's uh, very interesting. Hey, uh, how can our listeners get a, a copy of your new book, Analytics Best Practices? Yeah, I mean, you know, like... Uh... Amazon is the best place to to get the book, so uh, it should be available in uh, um, Amazon. So yeah, uh, you were both uh, in the print uh, version as well as in the PDF or Kindle version. It is available not just in Amazon; it's also available in uh, in uh, in other uh, online stores as well. Mm -hmm. Okay, very good. Thank you very much for being on the program with us today, and for our listeners out there. If you enjoyed the program, please subscribe and share. And if you didn't, don't tell no one. Thank you for listening to another episode of IG Talk, which features interviews of IG leaders, as well as IG news, events, and best practices. Listen in next time. This is Robert Smallwood.